You are listening to Bitcoin, Blockchain and the Technologies of Our Future with Naomi Brockwell. Your phone is more than just a communication tool. It's a powerful tracking device. And the SIM card inside is a key reason why. This tiny chip is your gateway to connectivity on the go, allowing you to receive calls, messages, and use the internet as you travel. But it also tracks your every move, logs your every call, and quietly observes your online habits. We do all kinds of sensitive activities on our phones, and the SIM plays a big role in allowing that activity to be monitored, often without our explicit awareness or consent. Do you know how much information your cell phone is really collecting about you and your location? I don't actually have a SIM card in any of my phones, and in this video, I'll explain the reasons why. I'll also talk about alternative ways that you can still have connectivity on the go without a SIM in your phone, such as using an anonymous Calyx hotspot. And I'll also dive into the downsides of not having a SIM in your phone. A warning right off the bat, this setup isn't for everyone. I'll go over some drawbacks so that you can decide for yourself what is the right choice for you. Let's start with understanding what a SIM card is. It's a tiny chip that we either insert into our phone or or it's already embedded in the phone as an eSIM that allows us to do things like make calls, send messages, and use the internet. We get one when we sign up for a cell plan, and each SIM is tied to a unique identity called an IMSI, or International Mobile Subscriber Identity. This is your digital fingerprint in the cellular world. It links all your network activity to your subscriber account. Now here are three reasons why this small card sitting in your pocket might be more of a privacy concern than you realize, starting with location tracking. As you move, your SIM card is in constant communication with various cell towers to maintain network connectivity. The time and signal strength of your phone's connection as it comes into range of different cell towers is recorded tracking your movements. This data is linked to your IMSI, making it a personalized map of your daily activities. Essentially, cell providers know where we are at all times. They can pinpoint exactly where you are and what you're doing. They can actually direct and add to you. This location data is not only used for things like targeted advertising, cell providers actually have a long and notorious history of selling your location data to basically anyone who wants it. The next reason why you might be cautious about the privacy implications of SIM cards is that proactive SIMs can initiate the sending of hidden messages to the cell network that you can't see. How does this work? Well, while most people think of their cell phone as a single computer, a typical smartphone actually has three computers in it. David Allen Burgess, a telecom expert that's worked in both signals intelligence and commercial equipment, explained to us what these computers are. First, it has the application processor. This is the computer that most people think of as their cell phone. It usually runs Android or iOS, and it's the part that people interact with. And then below that, 
there's something called the baseband processor that manages the telecommunications functions of the phone. And you know, it actually makes telephone calls and connects to your mobile operator for cellular data sessions. And then below that, there's the SIM, which is, which is actually a full computer system. It's got its own operating system. It's got its own file system. While the computer within a SIM card is extremely limited in terms of its functionality, the SIM is able to do certain tasks autonomously without the need for intervention from the phone's main processor and it turns out there can be communication going on between the baseband processor and the sim that's not visible to the application processor so basically you have the part of the phone that you interact with android ios graphene the part with all the apps and settings that has a screen showing you what's going on but meanwhile, there are two other components or computers talking to each other, the baseband processor and the SIM. And proactive SIMs have the capability to initiate commands. They can tell the mobile device to perform specific tasks like sending out an SMS or starting a data session, all without you knowing, because these actions bypass the part of the phone that you interact with. Now, it's not as nefarious as you might think. Communication between the baseband processor initiated by the SIM and the cell network is actually a completely normal part of your cell functionality. But it's still true that we really have no idea what's in these messages that the baseband processor sends out because they're encrypted. That's not the weird part though. What makes me cautious is that cell providers don't want to talk about what's in these messages. No one at AT&T talks publicly about what this stuff is. It's not documented anywhere. David has been involved in court cases that hinge on knowing what's in these hidden messages. And still, cell providers won't talk about it. Even getting someone from AT&T to answer the most basic questions about this was clearly not something they wanted to do. They certainly wanted to say as little as possible. There's a lot of suspicion about how powerful these baseband processors really are and to what extent they allow surveillance through our phones. Theoretically, according to some of the Snowden revelations, it, it may be able to turn the mic on or the camera on remotely. It may be able to turn the phone on when it's in an off state. Some of the stuff you hear is true and some of it's not true. There's no way to separate truth from fiction in the end. You don't really know. Nick Merrill, the founder of the Calix Institute, a privacy-focused nonprofit, says that at the end of the day, all we can really do is speculate. All that stuff is proprietary. It's, it's closed. You can't know what's going on in there. You're really never going to get visibility into it. Open source baseband processors that people could use as alternatives don't even exist. So this isn't something that the average person can even control. I just wanted to highlight how little we know about what the baseband processor and SIM are actually doing on our devices, and that they have this degree of autonomy on a device where we're doing a lot of personal stuff. But it's just one of three reasons why I'm cautious about having a SIM card in my phone. So let's move on to the third reason, which is the risk of inadvertent split tunneling by centralizing too much control on a single device. What do I mean by this? Well, when you have a SIM in your phone, your device is your internet gateway. On top of that, your device is where you do a lot of personal activities. Your phone's OS is in control of it all. This can present issues like when using a VPN. The idea behind a VPN is that all the traffic leaving your device is sent through an encrypted tunnel and routed to a VPN server first before hitting the broader internet. This is helpful for privacy because it helps stop snooping on this activity and also hides your IP address from the websites you visit. 
but some of your traffic might be leaked from your device directly to the internet instead of going through the encrypted tunnel. This is an example of split tunneling, and it could happen without you realizing. The MISC research team discovered that on iPhones, there are a bunch of apps that bypass your VPN and send data directly to Apple servers, including stocks, health, home, wallet, messages, find my fitness shortcuts, Apple Music, freeform, settings, contacts, weather, and all push notifications. Apple's terms of service for VPNs actually states that they may bypass your VPN intentionally for some essential system services. This isn't just an issue with iOS. They found that Android also communicates with Google services outside an active VPN connection. So the third problem of having a SIM in your phone is that when your phone's OS controls your apps, your internet gateway, and your VPN, if it wants to bypass your VPN, it can. There are ways to have more control over your VPN though, which we'll go over in a moment. Those are three of the reasons why I decided not to keep a SIM in my phone. But I can hear some of you thinking, doesn't that make the phone useless? And the whole point of a mobile phone is so that you can have connectivity on the go. If you don't put a SIM in your phone, how are you meant to still have that connectivity? You'd use Wi-Fi instead. With an internet connection, your phone can function almost entirely as usual, even without a SIM. You could use all the same apps you normally would. You could still use your favorite messenger apps to communicate. And instead of using a cell number that you'd get with a SIM card, you'd download a VoIP app. And people could call and message you using that VoIP number instead. Okay, great. So when I'm at home or work, I could just connect to my Wi-Fi networks there. But what about when I'm out and about. I have some friends who actually don't like having constant connectivity on the go. And if they need to talk to someone, they'll find the nearest public Wi-Fi to briefly connect. These days, public Wi-Fi is everywhere, so it's not hard to quickly find a connection. The privacy benefit of this is twofold. First, you can now keep your phone in airplane mode at all times, which stops it constantly chattering with cell towers and recording your location. Instead, you'd connect with Wi-Fi over a VPN, which is more private for your location. And you'd only do this when you actually want connectivity. It's like only turning on the light switch in a room when you enter the room, and then turning it off again when you leave. Second, using public Wi-Fi to connect to the internet can add a layer of anonymity compared with using your cell network to connect. When you connect through a SIM card, your IMSI and IMEI are unique identifiers that tie all your network activity, including internet activity, calls, and messages together, and associate them with you. By comparison, public Wi-Fi networks often don't require an account linked to your personal identity in order to access the internet. Wi-Fi networks do collect the MAC address of your device, but modern smartphones often randomize these MAC addresses so that you can't be tracked across different Wi-Fi connections. But there are also downsides to this approach. For example, you might be in an emergency where you need an internet connection but can't find one. You might need internet when driving around. And on top of that, connecting to public Wi-Fi isn't particularly secure. You can beef up your security and privacy by making sure you always use a VPN, but there are possible malware risks or man-in-the-middle attacks that could occur. So let's look at another option, the mobile hotspot. It's a separate device that you carry around with you that can give you internet wherever you are. 
this is what I use. It gives out Wi-Fi connection or some of them have Ethernet if you need that. You can put it in your pocket and basically you can use as much internet as you want. If I go work in a coffee shop, I always have my own internet that I can trust. I don't concern myself with is the Starbucks Wi-Fi secure or will it be slow or whatever. The hotspot itself contains a SIM and that's how it's able to connect you to the internet on the go. But hold up, if I'm carrying around a SIM anyway, why not just have it in my phone? There are a few reasons why siloing the SIM in a separate device can be useful. There are definitely different privacy gains you can make by having a hotspot like this, including having a VPN client on the hotspot so that all the traffic is encrypted. If you have a SIM in a separate device and run your VPN on this separate device instead of on your phone, you're separating functions across two different devices and your phone's OS no longer controls the gateway and the VPN. Because of this, your phone's OS is no longer able to bypass the VPN and expose activity directly to the internet without you realizing. A second reason why siloing the SIM in a separate device can be useful is because of those secret messages sent to the cell network that we spoke about earlier. When your SIM is in a hotspot, it's the hotspot's baseband processor that talks to the cell network. Your hotspot is typically only used for internet connectivity, while your phone is a super sensitive device where you do a ton of private activities. So if the hidden messages being sent to the cell network are reporting on any activity on the device, which is a big if, the hotspot is going to have a lot less personal activity to report. It's also important to note that when you use a hotspot, it's your hotspots IMEI and IMSI that are the point of contact with the cellular network. And these are not gonna be as closely tied to your personal identity as the SIM on your phone and your phone's IMEI, especially if you purchase your hotspot anonymously, which we'll talk about in a moment. On top of that, when you use a hotspot, your cell provider gets a lot less granular insight into your activity. Activities. A SIM in your phone generates very specific usage patterns, as well as call and message logs that often reflect very personal habits and preferences. Cell providers can also sometimes infer which apps you're using and activities you're doing on the device. But when you use a hotspot, they mainly just get data volume and traffic patterns. And if the hotspot is used by multiple devices or for different purposes, this further dilutes the usage patterns associated with it. While while the data transmitted with both setups is essentially the same, the hotspot can reduce the ease of directly profiling your individual behavior. A third reason why siloing the SIM in a separate device can be useful is to reduce location tracking. Now, a SIM in your hotspot is still going to report your location to cell towers. So what I do is when I need a connection, I turn on the hotspot briefly and I connect it to my phone with a cable, but I turn it off again when I'm not using it. And I can even put it in a Faraday bag if I'm concerned. This dramatically reduces the amount of chatter between my phone and cell networks, and I can still use the phone offline for things like offline maps and camera. Keep in mind, you can achieve basically the same ends by just putting your phone in airplane mode when you're not using it. There are two more perks of using a hotspot that I want to mention, but they apply specifically to hotspots purchased from the Calix Institute, the privacy organization I mentioned earlier. And no, they're not sponsors of the show. They're just a fantastic organization that you should know about, and they offer two big benefits with their hotspots that other providers don't if you're based in the USA. 
First, you can purchase their hotspots and service completely anonymously. Our memberships don't require you to give personally identifiable information. We go to a bunch of events every year and people sign up and they pay with cash. We've also made it possible for people to pay with cryptocurrencies. And they accept about a hundred different coins on their website, including privacy coins. There's a lot of people asking us for Monero support and Zcash support. So we added that. It's a neat backdoor into not needing to comply with like know your customer kind of rules to get a phone number. Sometimes people just want to close the curtains when they want to be private and open them when they want to you know, share. And second, you get unlimited data. So you can use these hotspots for all your devices, including streaming on your computer. Most hotspots you get from a phone company have a limit, whether it's two gigabytes a month, 10 gigabytes a month. After that, it either stops or it goes slow. We have these hotspots that have no practical limit on it. How is Calix able to offer these services? We got hooked up with another nonprofit that has uh, a license on a piece of the radio spectrum. It's based on this FCC program, the United States Federal Communications Commission, this program called Educational Broadband Spectrum. Basically, in the 1960s, the FCC in America allocated a portion of the radio spectrum to educational purposes. And this EBS is less congested compared to other commercial bands. So this might be why organizations that use it are able to allow more generous data plans than other providers. The deal that we have doesn't have that limit on it. This this is great news for people who want to use these hotspots for all their internet needs on their phones and their computers. They have unlimited internet service on them. We've discussed the benefits of using a hotspot instead of having a SIM in your phone, but we should definitely go over the downsides too, because as I mentioned at the start, this isn't going to be the right solution for everyone. I'll talk from personal experience, as I've been using a phone without a SIM for about a year now. First, I have to carry around multiple devices. I have my phone and my hotspot, and for some, this will be an issue. Yeah, I'd say it's the most convenient thing. I mean, like I... <laughs> I like to carry my phone in my pocket and it's like the one thing that I have. I wouldn't want to carry more stuff than I needed. Personally, I don't notice this downside. I have a small bag I carry with me anyway and the hotspot is really compact. So I just keep it in my bag and it's completely fine. Next, cell number. If you don't have a SIM, then you don't have a number associated with your SIM that people can use to call your phone. But this doesn't actually stop people calling and messaging you. You could have a VoIP number instead. We go over the privacy benefits of using a VoIP number instead of a cell number in other videos. And that's what I do. It's also worth noting that... On our hotspots, they actually can take incoming SMS. So they have a phone number assigned to the SIM card. It's not a normal SIM card, so you can't make phone calls on it. It's data only. But the devices can get two-factor authentication codes sent to them. Finally, there's connectivity. The connectivity of my hotspot itself is fantastic. But you know how when you're driving around, sometimes your phone goes in and out of range, but it's not a big deal because it quickly reconnects? Well, when you use a hotspot, the lag before reconnecting can be more of an issue. While the hotspot itself will reconnect super quickly, the phone then takes some additional moments to reconnect to the hotspot. And then if you're like me, you have a VPN that then needs to reconnect too. One way to mitigate this way is to tether the phone to the hotspot with a physical cable instead of using Wi-Fi. There is still a slight delay, but it's less. I'd say that this is the biggest downside of a hotspot. All in all, I love this setup for my life. And for me, the benefits outweigh the downsides. For others, this will be too inconvenient. So you should make the right choice for your life. Now, if you do decide to purchase a hotspot and you're in the USA, 
I highly recommend you get yours from the Calyx Institute, not just because of the anonymous purchase options and unlimited data that I already mentioned, but because Calyx is a great privacy-focused organization. You don't purchase these devices directly, it's technically membership-based, and you instead give a tax-deductible donation. They become a member, and one of the benefits you can get is we'll send you one of these mobile hotspots. Supporting them also means helping them maintain all kinds of free public services. You're supporting us building and operating a free VPN, running Tor exit nodes, building this encrypted Android OS, this private Android OS, and all these different activities. They also run a free private message relay called Jabba. Why would you want to support Verizon or AT&T, all these phone companies that are sort of antagonistic to your privacy when you could instead support a nonprofit organization that's trying to innovate new, more private things. Hear, hear, I completely agree with that sentiment. We have the power to vote with our money and support organizations that align with our values. But I also want to mention that the founder of Calix, Nick Merrill, is actually a privacy hero of mine. He was the first person to ever publicly challenge what's called a national security letter. He spent 12 years of his life fighting government overreach and exposing this warrantless mass surveillance. It was that experience that led him to start this privacy-focused institution in the first place. And I really wish him and Calix all the best. My work has purpose and my life has purpose. and. Uh to try to help people all around the world uh, be as free as they can. You can do something that like matters and that makes you happy. Um, so yeah, come join the revolution. That's, that's what I want to say to everyone. So to summarize, having a SIM card in your phone has a lot of privacy downsides. You can mitigate these by removing the SIM from your phone and using a hotspot for connectivity instead. This is what I do, but there are certainly trade-offs, and you'll have to assess whether this is something that's right for your life. Alternatively, you can at least mitigate some of the privacy risks of SIM cards by tweaking settings on your phone to help stop things like location tracking. And we explain all that in the previous video in this series. In the meantime, don't feel overwhelmed with phone privacy. There are so many awesome tools out there for you to explore if you're concerned about your digital privacy. And hopefully, these videos are helpful for learning about some of them. NBTV is a nonprofit that is able to create free educational content thanks to community donations. If you'd like to support the work that we do, visit nbtv.media/support. We also have a book, Beginner's Introduction to Privacy, if you're just starting out, which also supports our channel. Thanks for watching, sharing our message, and supporting our channel. We really appreciate all of you. So if you've stuck around till the end, here are some personal tips from me and the experience that I've had with hotspots. The biggest perk for me is travel. So whether I'm in an Uber or a train or a bus or sitting in a plane on the tarmac, I have internet connectivity everywhere. I can go to any cafe and know that I will have unlimited internet access that will not be interrupted. This is a huge perk for me. I work a lot, so I need that internet connectivity. And Hotspot is just a great tool for providing that. Uh, it is worth noting that Calyx only works in the USA, but Hotspots in general are actually worth considering no matter where you are. So that is all, go and explore. I'm a Bitcoin fan and I'm scared